0: Self Decode is the world's first precision health platform that frees you from the generic solutions of traditional healthcare and puts control back in your hands. Using science-backed research and AI-driven algorithms, Self gives you personalized diet, supplement, and lifestyle suggestions based on your body's blueprint, your DNA. Get started for free with an existing DNA file or order a DNA kit at 25% off with the code GENIUS.
1: Are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast. with Richard Jacobs. Before
0: we get started, I have a quick favor. I've been self funding the Finding Genius Podcast for five years now. I've done over 3,000 episodes. And as you can see on YouTube, we're up over a million views on the channel, which is fantastic. The next thing I really want to push on is to get up to 10,000 subscribers. Because once we do, we'll be able to put a donate button and we'll be able to solicit donations uh, to help keep the podcast running and to also get the Finding Genius Foundation moving along. We have a big project studying anxiety, depression, and PTSD and working on a product to help people overcome these problems uh, because I've seen them explode recently after the uh, you know the last two years of the whole virus situation. So if you would, please subscribe to the podcast that would help us tremendously, give us a thumbs up and check in the description for buy me a coffee. It's about five bucks. If you could buy me a coffee, I'd really appreciate it, it would help keep the channel going and I love coffee. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, Alex Becker, PhD. He's a scientist, an inventor, a writer, a speaker, and an entrepreneur. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, his book, 101 Clues to a Happy Life. So, Alex, thank you for coming.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. If you would tell me a bit about uh, your background, it seems like you're uh, a polymath of sorts. Uh, you know, what, what's your journey been like so far?
2: Um, yeah. I guess my journey started back um, in Argentina where I guess I started off as, as a bit of a computer programmer. I, I participated in these things called the uh, the National Olympiad of Informatics and the International Olympiad of Informatics, which is giving a kid four hours to solve a problem with a computer program. And uh, after representing my country in two of those, I started college in Buenos Aires in biology and chemistry and then transferred to MIT. So that's what brought me to the US. I went to Boston. Where I studied at, uh, at Harvard and MIT, in biology and economics. And then two years later, I got a degree from there and, uh, drove across the country to, uh, establish myself in California to get a PhD in, at Caltech in neuroscience. And then, and I studied pattern recognition in the olfactory system there and learning. And having finished that, I, I got a dual appointment between, uh, Caltech and a, uh, Department of Energy Lab, uh, called Sandia National Labs out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, doing research at the interface between computation, information, mathematics, uh, and cognition biology. Um, and out of that came a prototype of some algorithms around extracting meaning of text, um, which, uh, used to get funding for my first company. And, and I decided to, uh, I was con- convinced to become the founding CEO for that. And I like that process of turning an invention into reality. And so I um, I decided to replicate the process. I started an invention factory uh, called Ab Inventio, which is Latin for since the invention, uh, to replicate the process. And out of that invention factory came a company called Kulis that came out of uh, my standing in line one too many times and telling myself there had to be a better way. Uh, and so I uh, invented back in 2006 a way for people to get in, in a mobile uh, queue or line from their phone, uh, roam freely while they wait, and then get notified predictably so they can show up just in time for service. Um, oh, nice. Okay. So I, I grew that company as uh, as its founding CEO. And that company was sold last year. And then more recently started a, a new company in the drone space called Drizit. And uh, the Drizit vision is... We are doing for for vision what the telephone did uh, for sound uh, so many years ago, right? So today we can call people anywhere in the world uh, and talk to them, but we still are really most of the time limited to seeing what's in front of us. We we don't have the ability to say I wanna I wanna look at you know at this place or that place or my home or or, or this other place unless we're lucky enough to have somebody uh, who sort of calls us from there. And so what we've done. Is we we're putting the power of drones uh, to use by creating a platform that allows people to fly a drone anywhere in the world from their phone or their computer, uh, and so they can take off with a drone anywhere they would like to see, uh, fly it very easily from their uh, phone or computer, and then have the uh, the drone fly back to base, uh, you know, as, as soon as they're uh, done, and and so it's essentially bringing the shared economy. You know what Airbnb did for homes and Turo did for cars. Uh, Doing it do with drones, which is actually a much more shareable um, asset or good uh, than than homes and, and cars. Okay, that's sort of been my directory And then I recently graduated a, a son uh, to go to college and a daughter who just graduated from college. And um, and I had a. Um, I was planning a, a trip from which I wasn't sure if I was going to come back. And so I, I thought I had to put everything I would have taught them in the years to follow in, in a book for them. And so that's uh, that became 101 Clues to a Happy Life, uh, which I, you know, I, I wrote for them as they embarked on this in this journey, uh, leaving the home.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about the book. So um, what are some of the uh, so you wrote it for your children, which is wonderful. What what are some of the uh, key concepts in there for people?
2: Well, there's 101, so uh, and they're they're not uh, uh, sorted, so it's hard to pick one. But let's see. So, to one one that people often don't like to talk about uh, with their kids, but uh, but I think that it's it's important to set them on the right path is. I think we have a pandemic going on in the world right now uh, that's not just, uh, and, and it's not the one that we've been talking about for the last two and a half years, uh, although I've, I've been involved in research on that too, so happy to talk about COVID at some point. And that pandemic is that uh, people, particularly in, in the U.S., the U.K., some other places, are uh, very under sex. Uh, there's, there's less sex. Uh, people are having much less sex than they used to have. And, and that's bad because it's, uh, it's a fundamental part of, uh, of health and, and, well-beingness and, and, and happiness in particular.
0: How do you know that people are having less sex than they used to have?
2: Uh, because there, are, there are surveys, uh, proving that. So there, there's, there's, um, surveys about, uh, how often, uh, people have sex and showing that people are, uh, doing it a lot less than they used to, you know, in the UK and the US. I, I mean, in, in, uh, so, the average American uh, has sex once a week, which, you know, that, that, you know that, that includes everybody who's having a lot more and a lot less. And, you know, we, we eat three times a day. You know, we go to the bathroom several times a day. What makes people think that, uh, you know, sex is something that really should be had, you know, just a, a few times a month. And there's a lot of evidence that shows that, that people are happier uh, when, when, when they have sex more frequently. So that's one, one of the 101 clues.
0: Oh, so the advice is just, you know, make time for it more, have it more, or what, what uh, would be the advice, or is just something you noticed?
2: Absolutely, yeah, Uh yeah, make, make, make time for it, Uh yeah, prioritize it. I mean, another one has to do with travel, so, you know, if you ask people what are their favorite things to do in life, almost everybody says travel among them, and yet... Uh, you ask people, you know, so you ask people, what are your favorite things to do? And they'll say, you know, spend time with my kids, listen to music, uh, and travel, for example. And then you ask them, well, how often do you spend time with your kids? Well, you know, every day, pretty much. And how often do you listen to music? Well, most days. And how often do you travel? Oh, well, you know, once, two, three times a year. And so there's sort of this massive imbalance between supply and demand in, in travel. Um, and so on the, on the one hand, that's that's one of the reasons for the existence of Drizzit is we we allow people to go anywhere without the expense and time and money of an actual trip. Uh, but on the other hand, the book actually talks about how you can actually um, make the um how how you're gonna essentially get paid to travel the world. Um and so there's um you know with these platform with the with a shared economy upon us, with uh, VRBOs and Airbnbs and Booking.com is allowing you to um, rent out your home. You, and with the, the privilege that we have living in, uh, in the U.S., which is uh, one of the places with the highest purchasing powers in the world, you can rent out your home in the U.S. And for that amount of money, fly almost anywhere in the world and stay in a place that can be really nice for less money. So essentially, you really get uh, paid to travel the world. Uh, and so many of our jobs today can be done remotely, um, that, that, you know, there's really, you know, the fact that work continues is not, is not, is not a reason for, for many people that stops us from being able to uh, travel. So that's the second one. Uh, you know, I, I've been able to just in the last few months, um, fly to, uh, Bali, uh, which was amazing in Santa Lucia and the Caribbean and Argentina and, and really, uh, you know, without, without uh, spending money for any of those, um, because again, you can, you can spend, you can spend, you can live for less there and live in style than you do in a place like California.
0: Yeah, man, that is excellent. So how long has the book been out and what kind of feedback have you gotten from readers?
2: The book is, has just been out in, uh, in e-format since uh, about a a week. It's coming out. Uh, actually, the, the actual book is only coming out later this month on uh, the 28th. So I actually literally just got the first hard copy today, about an hour ago, which I'm holding. And, uh, and the feedback so far has been phenomenal. Uh, so uh, Jack Canfield, the best-selling co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul and the Success Principles, uh, wrote, uh, this book is a treasure trove of hard-earned wisdom and bite-sized mor- morsels. If you were to live its precepts and principles, you will end up living a happier and much more fulfilling life. Uh, which is um, which is an honor to read from somebody like him who sold over 500 million books, and uh, there's really really been uh, I mean average five star reviews so far on Amazon and on on the professional reviews. Uh, so I'm very very happy with the response so far, but but it's it's also very early.
0: So I mean, in addition to listing the things to do to you know I guess elevate your level of happiness, um, do you tell people that in the beginning of the book you know here's how you should look at it you know pick one thing and do that or you know five things or ten things or you know how do they when they go through the book what actions do you want people to take to help themselves
2: you know every clue stands on its own uh I mean the book can be read in in just uh you know two or three hours it's a very quick read uh it's every every I I believe in succinctness succinctness, and and so I don't I don't go on and on and on over each clue I, I believe that an idea can be explained simply And, you know, so there's essentially, you know, about 101 ideas in the book. They're they're illustrated with cartoons, uh, you know, out of the New Yorker and a whole bunch of different great cartoonists uh, for many of the clues. So I don't think you need to pick one or two or three. Uh, I think that happiness comes from a balance and from diversity. You know, one of the things I like, there's there's a principle of diminishing returns, right? So if you... You'll get more happiness out of your first night in an incredible destination than you will get out of your second and third and fourth. And you know, likewise, you know that, that, that principle of diminishing returns applies in lots of places. And so, uh, it's not about concentrating on one thing and doing only that. It's about really covering all the bases. So you don't need to follow all 101. That's that's why one of the things in the pre- that I wrote in the pre- preface is, um, you know, they're clues, They're not laws because they they help guide you in the direction of happiness, but each person will be different. And so you may find that a few of the clues, you know, don't really apply to you. Uh, but all in all, I think that most people benefit from from most of the clues as opposed to just a few.
0: But, you know, you, you talked, it seems like the law of diminishing returns, like nothing stays exciting forever. So what does that clue suggest to you to do?
2: Uh, it suggests, for example, let's say that, you, you have a limited budget and you're trying to decide how to spend that to get, uh, happiness. Let's say you're talking, uh, thinking about vacations. So let's say that you are driving from LA to San Francisco. Okay. So you're going to be driving through, uh, the, the California wine one and driving through Big Sur. So there are two, uh, beautiful hotels right in Big Sur and they're pretty pricey, but they're gorgeous. The Big Sur is really a place that you could really spend one day and one night there and get a, get a good sense of it. So the law of ministry return says splurge on one night because it's just one. It's, you know, even though it may be expensive for night, it's not going to be a lot. And, uh, you know, as opposed to, Spending a lot of money per night in, in a two week vacation, uh, you know, there you want to be a little more mindful how you spend it. and you're going to get a lot of the happiness you would have gotten out of a week in the great hotel from your first night there. You know, you, you check in at the beginning, you check, you extend your checkout to the late checkout, uh, and, and you really uh, get as much out of it as possible. So th- th- that's one application of a lot of diminishing returns of, of how you can do, it. you know, same thing. If you're renting a car for one weekend, you know, you know, splurge and, and get a a nicer car, but then, you know, save on the big things, right? For example, uh, another law relates to travel. uh, Another of the clues relates to travel, right? So people often take the comfort of just picking a brand they know, you know, and they'll, they'll pick a, you know, a hotel brand that they know uh, to stay at. And those are not often the most exciting destinations. When you go to a, you know, an exotic place, Usually the most interesting travel experiences come from local, one-of-a-kind places right there, which are often way less expensive because they're, they're run and operated locally. They don't have to pay the sort of the franchise fees to the to the global brands. And so that's, that's a place to save money on.
0: Self-Decode has taken the guesswork out of wellness. By analyzing your genes, lab tests, and lifestyle data, Self-Decode provides the most holistic and personalized plan for optimal health. They're giving our listeners 25% off new DNA kits with the code GENIUS, where you can get started free if you have an existing DNA file. Visit self codecom to learn more. What are some of the clues that you've seen people take action on and do unexpected things with?
2: So I'm trying to remember. People have told me uh, these stories. There was a Caltech PhD who recently told me that there was a clue that he was using uh, often. Um, I, one of them, for example, uh, relates to how, so, you know, every day, many times a day, you, you run into people who are like, hi, how are you? And we tend to kind of, you know, ignore that and just settle like, you know, fine, thanks. And I have a friend, a Nian, um, friend by the name of Rexford Darko. And every time I asked him, uh, hey, how are you, Rex? Uh, his answer was extremely well, my friend, extremely well. And it made you happy just from hearing him. And you could tell that he was made happy from saying that. And so that's, that's something else that's actionable that you could do right away is you take the opportunity for being enthusiastic about sort of everyday things like that. Um, because you can, you can speak happiness into, uh, into, into action, right? You can will things. Uh, and part of that is how you, uh, you know, how you speak about your own life.
0: Oh, that makes sense. I mean, I, I've noticed, um, you know, if people are nice to me in a day, or if I'm in a good mood, then I'm nicer to other people. And if I'm not, you know, I'm shorter with other people. And, um, you know, the interactions aren't as positive. So it's like, um, you know, if you're nice to somebody, there's a good chance that they're going to go on and be nice to other people. If you're mean to somebody, unfortunately, there's a good chance they're going to go and be mean to other people. So what you put out there has ripples, it seems like that's what I've learned. I don't know if you discuss that at all in the book or not.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. No, no. karma, karma definitely exists. I, I believe in that. I mean, another one is um error correction and, and de-escalation. So I find that, you know, over 90% of conflict stems from miscommunication. People understanding something different than what was uh, meant. And if you, you know, we've we managed to make computers extremely good at error correction so that we can send you know, a a message uh, across the world and make sure that the message arrives exactly in the same way because we built in the algorithms for error correction uh, to ensure that uh, it's not because the communication is perfect. There, There are errors, but there's the algorithms to correct those errors. And we don't do the same thing with human communication. You know, most of the time somebody says something, we take offense and we forget to ask, did you mean this? This is what I understood. Is that what you meant? And if we if we took the time to do that, we would find that most of the time people did not mean to offend us. You know, my, my dad has a law saying if uh, if somebody did not actually cause damage to you or did not mean to cause damage to you, then you, there's no reason you should you know, feel offended with them. Uh, so and, and that's a very simple thing to put into action is just verify when, when you think that somebody's told you something offensive. Make sure you you understood it correctly. Right. Re- repeat it back to them and, and see if you got it right. Uh, on, on the same on the same clue, there's really a second one listed, which is de-escalation. Right, every time there's a there's a beginning of a conflict, there are typically two ways to handle it. And you know, I you know, one could say there's two kinds of people, uh, but there's really two kinds of uh, ways to react that the same people can react to it. One is a way that escalates. Right, so you 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 become upset at something I was said, and you say something back that's maybe a, a little mean, and that gets the other person to react even more, and pretty soon it's out of control. Right, and and that we've all seen those those positive visual, vicious cycles. And the other one is de-escalation, where you you bring it a, a notch down, you bring it down. Uh, sometimes with humor, for example, and that can be extremely effective when you when you introduce a sort of a, a damping down of, of that escalation. People who have the ability to do that live so much more happily um, because you are constantly bringing things uh, you know down a notch instead of escalating. So that's another example.
0: Okay. Do you feel prompted to make a sequel for this, or you feel like your work is done, and you know the work has plenty of good left to do, and to speak for itself, or you know, are there, are there other projects that are going to tie into this or dovetail into it?
2: That's a really great question. Nobody's asked me that before, but you are absolutely right. In uh, once I had written this, I realized uh, that uh, I was already coming up with more. Uh, that did not fit in the first book. Uh, and so I've actually already, I'm probably about halfway through the sequel uh, with 101 more ways uh, to be happy. Um, so there, there really uh, are are more. You know, One that comes to mind, uh, and, and, and I actually just sort of to be broader, I am actually planning on turning this into a series, sort of 101 clues to other things, not just a happy life, right? So, you know, 101 clues to being a great scientist, 101 clues to winning a lawsuit and so on. because I think every one of us who's done something with some success can distill down, you know, what are the top things that I really ought to pass on if I was to go away tomorrow and I wanted my kids to succeed at this. And you really should be able to write each of those in no more than a page. Uh, and, you know, and, and I don't and think it takes more than 101 to, you know, to relay uh, the most important ones, perhaps. Um, so that's, that's one direction in which this this project is going.
0: Did you have to push Did you set a goal of 101 and then you're like, all right, I'm going to rack my brain to get 101? Like, was that part of the process of doing it? Or, you know, if there's only a few things really that would be most helpful or if people are going to take away maybe one or two things, maybe the number should be 21 or seven or, or is there a use in having so many?
2: I have found that it really... You know, the key to happiness is not in just you know one, two, or three uh or even ten. So uh so I, I did not start off with a goal of 101, it kind of naturally uh progressed to uh to that order of magnitude. Um yeah, I, you know, I think it it takes uh, much. Now in other areas, so I've I have written another book that I've yet to publish that is is called uh, 25 Blunders You Can't Afford to Make in the Board of Directors. And so, when it comes to blunders like that, then I, I think that a smaller number like twenty-five actually, you know, covers it. But yeah, I, I do think that it takes. There's, there's a number of things that lead to happiness, and it's not just a, a you know, a, a small little number.
0: So, I mean, um, how has this changed your inventing and your company creation? Does it interface with it at all? Does it, uh, has it helped you win more business, or has it helped you with your own ideas?
2: It's a good question. I haven't really asked myself that yet. I think it's. It's too early to know uh, because the book will only be out, next, uh, you know, later this month. I do think that it this idea of, of uh, balance uh, has permeated uh, my work life. This idea of letting people work from anywhere has permeated the work environment. Uh, in at each of my companies, uh, we we hire the best people anywhere in the world, and we let them uh, work from anywhere. Uh, so that's uh, there. You know, the the idea that you know, work doesn't come, you know. It's not nine to five, right? If your daughter has a concert uh, or your son has a soccer game, you know, in the middle of a weekday, you know, you better stop that that work day and go and and be there, and not miss it. And conversely, you know, if somebody calls you for something important, you don't hang up on the on the call at five p.m. and say, oh, you know, the time the day is over and you know now I'm going home. So I think that the idea of a of a more flexible interplay between uh, work. And play and recreation uh, has definitely permeated my, my companies.
0: As the book gets, uh, you know, even more traction, maybe you could do something like 101 ways people have implemented the clues and their stories that might be a cool follow on that, you know, you can get content kind of out there from the users of it, maybe expand upon it.
2: That's a great idea. That is a great idea. So uh in fact I mean that kind of builds on Jack's uh fantastically successful uh, chicken soup for the soul series which were uh you know which were stories by people. So I think that is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, one one of the other concepts that did not make its way into this book uh but it will make its way into the sequel is the idea of um intentional you, you could call it intentional deprivation, right? So the idea that you know, the, the, as a neuroscientist, I know that the brain perceives only differences. You know, if we if we get used to something, we adapt to it and we stop getting uh, pleasure out of it. And so it's the it's the it's the changes that are required to provide happiness. Uh, and so when you think about, for example, uh, so for, I'm uh, you know I, I've got my kids uh, half the time. And that has made it so, you know, so much more, so much more enjoyable. The time that I do have with them, I make sure to, you know, do something fun with them and do something meaningful. And so the, the days that I don't have them are really key to really enjoying the days that I do have with them. You know, the, when I leave my house, for example, if I rent out of my house and I go to Bali, you know, it, it makes you miss my house so that uh, I mean, Bali might be amazing. But when I come back, you know, and I sit down at the grand piano, you know, I, I enjoy it in a way that I wouldn't enjoy it if I had it every single day. I'm like, okay, let's compose a song today because, you know, I may, I'm, I'm not going to have a piano next week. Uh, so this idea of um, intentionally uh, creating scarcity to enjoy things more, I think is an important concept.
0: Well, going back to the uh, the sex once a week, maybe once a week is better because it makes it more exciting. Maybe that's an excuse, unfortunately, that, uh, you know, certain partners and relationships are using to yes. deny it so often.
2: Some things you just can't uh, get enough of. I, I, I don't think that eating once a week would be a good idea, and I, I, I the data suggests that uh, that people are happier uh, with more.
0: Yeah, no, I'm just teasing you, but um, actually, that's an interesting concept. So, what things in life are good enough where you know you can't get enough of them, and which ones are good but their goodness is really helped by only having it periodically and not all the time.
2: Yeah. I think the key is is variation, right? So I think in in, in your sex life, you have to introduce variation too, right? So uh, it's it's not necessarily you know the the preventing the adaptation is had by keeping it uh, dynamic, uh, not by doing it less. That's what I would say.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. No. Just an interesting concept. Like eating ice cream, you know, every day. Not only would it not be exciting, but it's not good for you. So some things it seems like. Um, You know, like the periodicity of different things is different for different things. And I guess it serves you or doesn't serve you as you ratchet that up or down, you know, like drinking alcohol every day. No good. Uh, Once a month, probably a lot better. You know, those kinds of things. So it's it's just interesting that something is really I guess I'm imagining like a set of dials in someone's life. And I wonder if they can improve their happiness or contentment by dialing up certain things and dialing down other stuff. It seems like that might be a good formula for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, very cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're always thinking of, of uh, different stuff. Very interesting. Okay, so the book is coming out uh, end of May, and it's gonna be available what uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places where books are sold.
2: Yes, that's right. Uh, you can always find it uh, at a discount at a hundred and one clues dot com, uh, but it is available on Amazon and everywhere that uh, that books are sold.
0: Is there um Is there like a workbook? that goes along with it or would that be helpful you think in the future so people can uh, not only go through the clues and maybe pick what they like, but maybe like a heuristic or an algorithm that helps them go through it and improves themselves and makes them happier, you know, how to choose, how to implement that kind of thing.
2: You're full of ideas. There is no for today, uh, but uh, you know, maybe something to think about for the future.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, very good. Um, Where can people find out about, uh, you know, all the stuff you're working on, Alex, where can they go?
2: Uh yeah I think a a good place to start is the uh, the 101clues.com website that mentions things so that's 1 the, the number 1 the number 0 the number 1 and then the word clues dot com. but uh otherwise uh the uh the the, the drone company is found at that's drisit.com that's d r i s i t.com that's uh stands for drone visit
0: oh drone Visit. okay A uh, quick question about the about drisit what so people would um some people would have drones and I guess you'd rent the drone to do activities. Like what, what kind of activities would you uh, have it do, like deliver flowers or what would it do?
2: Yeah. I think we, we, we're starting with, with, with vision. Uh, Cause just seeing the world is much more than we can do uh, today. But yeah, over time, the drones can do all kinds of things, such as pick up things, drop off things and so on too. Uh, but yeah, that, anybody with a drone can put their drone on the network and make money uh, from it. So, you know, let's say that you are, you know, somebody in Peru and you have a drone and you you have access to, uh, you know, you're close to Cusco or Machu Picchu or, uh, or the Nazca lines, you know, you can let people from all over the world access to those places. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and so it provides an income stream for people with drones. And conversely, uh, so, so anybody who has a, an attraction can go from a, a local audience to a global audience, uh, with, with the drizzle platform. But there's applications well beyond that in monitoring infrastructure and, in, uh, you know, security and real estate development and construction monitoring, and, and as well as um, search and rescue uh, guides, that, you know, that there's, there's really limitless applications. anywhere where it would be useful to see a place where you're not can benefit uh, from DRIZIT.
0: Okay, well, very good. Well Alex, it was really good to speak to you. You're a very interesting person, lots of crazy and really cool ideas. And, uh, you know, I encourage people to, I'm going to go through the 101 clues and I encourage people to check it out. So thanks for coming on the podcast.
2: Thank you, Richard. Really great uh, question and comments. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: Here's some parting words from self Decodes codes founder, Joe. In a world of uncertainty, we've got you. Before taking control of my health, I had almost given up hope of the life I dreamed of. Then I realized the answers I needed were inside my DNA all along. Let us help you find yours. Start free with an existing DNA file or use code GENIUS to save 25% on a kit. A healthier life is waiting for you at selfdecode.com.
1: You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else?